0: it is a new year, this week we talk uh, 2020, a Chinese attempt to destroy America with Asian flu, yes, we talk Turkish riots, <coughs> uh, sorry, sorry, even here, even here they attack me, no matter, I have an Argentine woman who will bring me pills, and finally we make manly prognostication for year 2021, uh, welcome, welcome to the stack.
1: tradition that comes from my family for every New Year's and I've never been able to find anybody else in years of looking and I know my dad couldn't find anybody but coming from my grandfather's family in Ohio and they they had kind of come all through the mid-Atlantic and everything uh Scotch-Irish but I think that this came from his Dutch grandmother but every New Year's put out a series of plates by the fireplace if you have one Uh, which I have not in my adult life, but and Mrs. Claus and the elves will come and give books to everybody who uh, in, in the family. And so in, also with uh, lottery tickets uh, over the last few years and uh, some candy that's very suspiciously similar to what was eaten at Christmas. But I, I, I've i enjoyed it as as a tradition. And it, it for kids it's great because it's a good come down from uh, the Christmas high uh, that you still have some presents to look forward to. But it's also uh, just a, a good way to, uh, I guess, on the uh, book buying addiction, though I've now culled basically all of my physical hard copy books down to about 10% of its uh, former glory. But as a framing device, I think that's a good way to talk about uh, any books that you've enjoyed over the last year, and then I'll follow up with a few of mine.
0: Oh my God, you you know I'm totally illiterate, right? That's that's my shtick. That's totally exactly illiterate.
1: why I set this up, Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'll plug the books that come to my mind then, which is uh, I wanna tell people go buy uh, Francis, Stiegmuller, uh, Francis Stiegmuller's um, translation of Flaubert's letters. You should abs- mm. absolutely, everyone should spend. I, the reason this comes to mind is because I, I was in university in Atlanta, hot Atlanta in, in the winter time. And I used to live in, how can I say this diplomatically? not very I was the the only white gentleman living in east east Atlanta and I used to take Okay a, I used to take a train a MARTA train and anybody who's ever been on Atlanta MARTA knows there are certain areas where it's extremely sketchy I used to take a MARTA train every day in the morning and every every afternoon or every afternoon after after class back and forth from East Atlanta to to my university and uh I spent a I spent a few weeks during one winter reading Stigmuller's translations of Flaubert. There's his travels in Egypt, which have these wonderful anecdotes. one of my favorites is he's right he's so he's writing these letters back to his lovers uh his lover or his mother in, in um in France while he's traveling around Egypt. And he has these wonderful little anecdotes that he throws in about he and his, and his friend traveling around Egypt. And there's one where he's um, in bed with a prostitute and he, he, he talks about uh, as seeing one does, the, as one does when one is in Egypt. Yeah. And, and he's talking about um, he, he writes this beautiful passage, but the whole passage is, is about squashing lice uh, on the, that are crawling on the wall. So he's in a, he's in a prostitute's bed in Egypt and talking and sending a letter to his lover back in France explaining to her what he's doing which was squat you know he 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 had just finished with his you know just finished his evening of fun he was still in bed with a prostitute and and there's this he he just goes on a, a beautifully written tangent about squashing uh lice or bedbugs on the wall of of God knows what kind of building in, in Cairo with this <laughs> with this uh, Egyptian prostitute. So you know, in in Christmas spirit, in winter spirit, go get yourself some some. Uh, the the reason that it came to mind though is because I spent these winter mornings on the train, uh, not just in Egypt, but there's another one that or two other volumes which are his early years of letters to his mother and his various lovers and things like that. So his early years letters and then his late years letters, all of them, you can read them from beginning to end. Fantastic way to spend a couple of weeks. So there I've plugged three books all at once and made it easy on myself. Now what do you got?
1: Well, I think, uh, you know, this has been uh, an interesting year. Like I said, I've gone almost entirely digital, including more audiobooks just because the uh, uh, Time working from home and everything is just an easier way to uh, get things done. And I'm still not there for processing information the same way, but I will hit to a little bit less heady uh, and erudite than you uh, in these cases. But um, so fiction of the year. This is not a gag. I'm not just trying to make an excuse to tag him on Twitter, but um, Delicious Tacos uh, and finally Some Good News was quite surprisingly enjoyable. And I think that uh, he's actually developed one of the unique voices in independent literature. Uh, And I think he's continued to have better and better books uh, building off of his blog. Uh, which is not safe for work by the way don't read this to kids at uh, bedtime. I mean it's not quite Henry Miller but it's also not not Henry Miller And then on nonfiction and it, it almost feels like a fiction story because it's sort of so fantastical but conspiracy, the true story of power sex I'm just reading the t- uh, title because I couldn't remember it the true story of power sex and a billionaire's secret plot to destroy a media Empire which is about Peter Thiel's war against Gawker, where he used Hulk Hogan uh, and their publication of a sex tape to get back at Gawker for a what might be considered a relatively minor um, thing that they had done to him, uh, outing him as a homosexual. But he uh, took it obviously very personally and dedicated a lot of resources toward taken them down and ultimately was successful. And it it's interesting to me because it frames, A, the amount of effort that went into doing it and sort of saying, this is what conspiracies are. They're, they're people who have plans and some incentives and how they work out. And you don't hear about a lot of conspiracies because, um, a, they're not interesting to your personal life. I mean, you don't work for Gawker or whatever. But also, they're just successful and well hidden. So I, I think that it was uh, that that's an entertaining read. And then another one is a book, uh, "Conquerors" by Roger Crowley, uh, which is about the uh, India, uh, the Portuguese exploration of India and their initial building of an empire there and in Southeast Asia. And it's it's a really well written book um, makes it very interesting, but I think the the most relevant to me it was just I had not appreciated how much scientific and engineering innovation went into these expeditions, and you know the kind of uh, replacement of sail technology and everything, but the the bravery and the nature of going into unexplored areas where okay we're just going to try this technique of sailing away from africa even though we're trying to get under it you know and then sailing closer to south america using the trade winds and using that to get to india and the bravery and amount of preparation and everything that had to go into that was was very interesting plus again there were all of these political machinations and everything that would go on when the uh, Portuguese set up in Calicata and then in Goa, but then there's court intrigue in Lisbon and their letters going back and forth and kind of plots within plots on both sides, but they can only communicate with each other like twice a year because of the uh, monsoons. And thinking about what's, uh, just comparing that to our age today of complete connectivity and complete visibility into what's going on in politics and everything, or we so we think, uh, is just a very interesting contrast. So I, I highly recommend that one.
0: Yeah, next thing is year in review, I think.
1: What can we say about this year that is not COVID or the election?
0: Personal stuff.
1: I guess. Again, though, I mean, like that becomes COVID, right? I I think this has been such a weird year. It feels like it barely happened. It was December 31st of last year because I was flying to China January 1st and I was at work, opened up the South China Morning Post website and see the news of And I think this is the first time it appeared in English, but patients hospitalized for pneumonia type symptoms outbreak in Wuhan. And I can't remember if they had purported that it had the the first cluster was from that seafood market or whatever at the time. But I, I just remember remarking, "Okay, well, that that's kind of weird. I was flying to China the next day and going to be staying with somebody who was coming down, a family member who was coming down from Wuhan. And so it was like, well, I mean, yeah, of course, he, he doesn't have it, you know, whatever. It's not going to be a big deal. And then was was in China for, and it what ended up being like two months of absolute craziness, uh, including a trip back to the US and then back to China. So it's like, so, so that, has been such a feature of this year that you can't almost think of anything else, whether personal or geopolitical or anything, outside of that context. I think, you know, from the beginning, I, I've been telling my wife, everything will be over in about two weeks. I stopped doing that about two months ago. because you know, It was like not, not a funny joke anymore. But the, 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 the complete unraveling And it's, it's continued. I mean, I've seen now in China, there are more cases, you know, of course, it's just like six, not like here in the U.S., thousands. Um, Well, I can, I can actually uh, speak
0: about that, which is to say. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We had a, we had an outbreak in Chengdu about, what was that? Two weeks ago now. The situation was, (laughs) as it always is, as is always the case, some beautiful young girl goes to club and then goes to another club and another club and another club and another club. And And it turns out that she has COVID and has, uh, has exposed 6,000 people to the virus or something like that. So that was, that's what happened. However, uh, they were able, it seems to isolate it rather quickly. Right. So we, uh, just to, just to help people understand the social situation here, or the social response here, uh, we we had all but forgotten about it, I suppose, except for the except for the occasional, or it, except for having to wear a mask on the the metro uh, the subway. It was out of mind, and I think I've even said that here. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had this outbreak, so I had to go get another COVID test before I could go back to work. People, actually, I think the second time people people were less concerned. How Frankly. many of the
1: clubs had you
0: been to yourself? <laughs> you know me, man. I'm at every club every night. I think I may live actually I may live the most boring life imaginable. I I'm very much a homebody these days. I uh I just I just stay home, read books, you know, record podcasts like a good millennial. Right. Anyway, uh so yeah, we're 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 back to back to this madness here in, in Chengdu, but uh it, it's not. It's not been that bad. We're still. Ch- we are checking in and out of our. Um, what do you call it, Shaochu? Our uh, neighborhoods, our little neighborhoods. We have to. Sh- we have to check in and out. But it's much which, less. Which WeChat? Uh, you know, we're showing the health code, which is when you. Okay. When you you know when you get it at the gate, there's somebody's there. They say, "Let me see your thing," and it's got to be green, right? Um, right.
1: But it's so is relaxed that an, is That's an independent app, or is it on WeChat?
0: It is an app on WeChat. So WeChat is... A app on WeChat, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But for people who don't know, WeChat is like a chat app. And then inside WeChat, it's a chat app that does everything. So you pay your bills, you pay at the store. But then also inside the chat app, it has its own app store. Anyway, you install this health app. It tracks, it tracks your movement and tracks to make sure that you haven't had a positive uh, or been in contact with somebody who has tested positive and so you show that app at your you know neighborhood when you when you walk in or something like that. Um so we're back to that but people are much more relaxed I think than they were before.
1: Yeah. Well yeah, I mean I think the Hong Kong is not relaxed. They have they have continued they sort of always had a low boil of cases. So it wasn't I mean it was basically gone but clearly they had never let down any of their policies or anything for the most part. I mean, they opened up and went back to school and everything until about a month ago. But again, there there are historical reasons for it, just because SARS is such a big deal in their psyche, and then also a variety of other reasons I won't get into that they'll address things this way. But they actually just extended the period of quarantine for inbound passengers from. 14 to 21 days so when you come into the territory you need to stay in a hotel for three full weeks um and you i, do I that? think that there will be others I, I i guess i don't know i mean like that really hit me in the face <laughs> i like, i mean two weeks was already feeling like it would be at the frontier of um, what i would want to do but 21 days i i mean I guess I'll have to. I, I got my daughter a Nintendo Switch for Christmas, so maybe we'll be able to make it through. But don't even want to think about it right now. But it's. Uh, uh, I think the. I mean, I had also heard in China that they're not going to allow uh, Chinese New Year travel. Is that true?
0: You you mean internal or external?
1: Yeah, internal.
0: You know, I have no idea actually. Are they
1: encouraging I... encouraging people not to? Maybe that they, maybe they're just telling asking people
0: not to travel. Um, that's gonna be but, that's gonna be very bizarre to me because uh, yeah, I, I would imagine that I would imagine that if they do that, it'll be within province, like it. What, yeah, 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 yeah. I I guess. So you'd be able to travel around your province, but not outside, which will be yeah. bad for people who you know go to Beijing for because nobody actually is for from work, Beijing. Yeah. Uh, no. No. Uh, so. It would be tough for them, but I think most people who live in Chengdu, it's no big deal because their family is, you know, dirt farmers in the countryside of Sichuan. So I don't know. We'll see.
1: No, I mean, I I know some people who uh, grew up, though, in like pretty, I I wouldn't say poor, but provincial, um, like company town type areas uh, outside of Wuhan. So in Hubei, but outside of Wuhan. And they had gone back for they had left wuhan to go back to these hometowns for chinese new year when everything got locked down and so those were the sort of places where you saw you know because they're just like i mean you've been to them many of our listeners probably haven't but i mean um those are the places where you were having apartment buildings sealed up with like steel (laughs) like welded shut and everything um because the 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 local government didn't have the capacity to do anything else. And that was, um, you know, obviously a highly visible thing to be doing. So that was, that was like pretty miserable. So you leave your like advertising job in in Wuhan to go back home and then you're stuck there for two months, welded shut, welded in. Yeah. Um, I've mentioned
0: this before, but that was, that was us too. We, you know, cause it hit, it hit during Chinese new year here. Right. And we, we had left Chengdu to, uh, go to my wife's hometown, and then got stuck there, way longer than I wanted to be. I, I love the countryside. I'm from the countryside, but we were there way, way longer than I desired to be. But um, yeah. All right, there we go. There's your COVID coverage. Yeah.
1: I mean it yeah it, it's it's ongoing i mean we'll see with the uh, vaccine and everything but it's 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 just it's it's weird to look back on a year and see like everything is in the frame of this overarching crappy aura
0: of We need uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez story. to come back to life so that he can write love in the time of covid you know yeah i'm just on a i'm on like a prostitute kick today so that's we're, uh-huh. we're gonna be talking about literary prostitution all right right memories of my melancholy whores that's what's happening on the stack
1: well yeah i mean there was there was delicious tacos too right um
0: so. yeah, I was i was gonna say you 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 did choose the title of his that is the least likely to offend
1: uh no, I think he only has only has one one offensive title, which is will not be mentioned on this family <laughs> podcast, but um the uh he uh anyways, the um yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's it's funny cuz I was sitting down last night to try to sketch out what are what are some other things. cuz uh Dave Collins, the professor at at Cornell who does his year in review is is always pretty insightful and stuff and you know, he he can hit 10 or 12 interesting things, but its I literally cannot think of any other news that happened this year.
0: Hi. Sorry to interrupt the show. In fact, Andy and I were able to think of another news story from this year, the totally legitimate, totally peaceful protests of the Black Lives Matter movement. We here at the stack hold the movement in such high esteem that we've decided not even to broadcast our extremely respectful discussion of it, because we feel we're unable to give this noble moment in American history the breadth and depth it deserves. Let's pick up later in the conversation where I, apropos of absolutely nothing, discuss my experience in the 2013 Gezi riots in Turkey. You know, I was in, I was in, I, I don't know, I don't, I've never talked about this before, but I was in uh, uh, the, Gezi, the Gezi riots. I don't think I've talked about this on the podcast before.
1: Oh, right. No. And when I say I was um... in
0: them, I mean, I mean, I was a spectator. Uh, yeah.
1: T- talk about talk I was, about that.
0: Well, I was studying Turkish in Istanbul for a couple of years, and I was going to do a master's degree in um, what's called civilization studies. Uh, so I was studying Turkish and also studying Islamic civilizations primarily.
1: What year? So this is 2011.
0: Yeah. So the beginning of my little of, of, of uh, the beginning of that was 2011. Um, so and so the let's g-
1: let's let's put this in context. So the so-called Arab Spring in Tunisia right uh what's his name abu something he uh is a flower seller who gets a ticket or something for
0: yeah, yeah, selling
1: on the on the street and this is it's funny i mean all a lot of these stories are about um you know whether in the us or wherever about minor infractions that are enforced for somebody but he then goes and self-immolates and um basically that that starts Everything. And actually Tunisia now is probably better off than anywhere else, but other places where it ended up. I I was, I'll let you tell your story because it's more interesting, but I, I did end up, I was in Morocco. For like not long, but you know, b- b- four or five days around, uh, a couple of months afterwards. So there was a, a question of you know would it extend there, and of course not because Morocco has all their phosphate money, and the king just buys everybody's complacency. Um, but there, the ice cream shop that I was in in uh, was it in Marrakesh got did get blown up like two weeks after I got back. So I'm kind of glad that I was there when I was there, and not two weeks later. But so you're in Gezi, Erdogan is in charge. it's it's a obviously just like a very tense atmosphere. You're a Gulenist.
0: Yeah that's right. I'm a hardcore gulenist. Um, I just love a- anything that Pennsylvania produces um, right. is is upstanding. Um, so yeah, I now you brought up the Arab Spring that's 2000, 2011, right? And I would right. say that gezi gezi was 2013 but we're talk, we're still talking about the same okay. yeah we're still talking about the same spirit I, I guess you could say or the 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 tail end of this thing and uh yeah you know it, what it got started because um Erdogan decided that he was going to build a uh, a mole on gezi park and Gezi park is the uh it's just the park next to now I remember it yeah 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 well, for any anybody who doesn't know, it's it's just a park next to uh, uh, Istiklaljadesi, Jadesi, which is uh, the the shopping district, and then the 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 downtown or er, 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 the square there, Gezi Square is. I think it's Gezi Square. I might be wrong. Um, is where like the May First Movement has this big um, hi- historically. That's where the May the May First Movement the Labor the Day broker, stuff. okay yeah. right right right. Uh, that's where all that takes place. For, so, for like the communists in 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 Turkey, this is a big literal was,
1: com, literal communists, right? Literal
0: communists, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, as a matter yeah. of fact, I lived I lived with with uh, literal communists and went to their um, meeting once. It was very strange because they're good friends of mine, but they said, "No, you can't sit with us. You have to go sit over there while we have our meeting." So I had to sit in the same tea garden, a chai Bachesi. I had to sit there by myself you know, while they had their meeting. And then I was allowed to hang out after the, the meeting was over. So yeah, I used to live with literal communists. But anyway, um, they got, not just them, but you know, quite a lot, quite a lot of people who were um, anti-Arc uh, party, I guess. That's, that's uh, Erdogan's party. They got, they got. Um, you know, there were a lot of things going on, but but that was sort of the the straw that broke the camel's back. His his decision to bulldoze the Gezi Park and turn it into a mall. But it wasn't just that it was a mall; it was going to be an Ottoman style mall. So it was going to be an mm-hmm. Ottoman, you know. And it, I think I think it was probably one of his. Well, it almost certainly was was kickbacks to his family because they're all connected to the. Besides just being the president, right, he's he's also connected right. to the entire construction industry in Turkey. So all those things come to a head in this one moment of of him destroying, Gezi or trying to destroy Gezi Park. And I I just want the people of Turkey to know that now I am a hardcore Erdoganist. So please allow right. me to come back and enjoy your beautiful country in the future. Right. Don't, but at the time. Yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I was hanging out with a bunch of communists and I had different politics. And so, you know, I was enjoying it. They, they, what happened was that I came out of my uh, language classes one day, and this was, I think it was in June. I can remember this because it's my birth month. It was near my birthday. Uh, so it was June and um, we come out and uh, obviously people always riot in the summertime anyway. We come out, come out of the language school and they're they're on istiklal jadesi the big um sort of thoroughfare where everybody does their shopping like a million people a day they they were squared off against this line of of police a line of police holding holding their shields riot shields and it it was so bizarre i mean you know on one side it's all these students and and tourists and and uh shoppers on the other side there are these police and the the Turks are getting angrier and angrier, and at some point, somebody throw picks a uh, you know pulls a stone out of the street because it's like cobble kind of cobblestone street, picks up a stone out of the the street and throws it at one of the cops. I was there for that, so I was there for the very beginning of the riots. And <laughs> oh,
1: don't do that!
0: <laughs> it was <laughs> not, not throw me. the cobblestone, <laughs> don't yeah. But oh, it was really strange because um, you know suddenly. Uh, the, the, um, gas was popping off, the, the tear gas is yeah. popping off and you've never yeah. seen such terror as, you know, several thousand people desperately trying to find, push into like a side street to get inside a, a, a shop or a, you know, a coffee shop or something yeah, like yeah. that so that they can. Well,
1: this is how you get trampling deaths, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and, and here, so, so this is why I had mentally connected it to the, the so-called Arab Spring. Um, yeah. Because I think it's a, a, appropriate, a, a, totally appropriate. Yeah, no, no, no. But a, a friend of mine was teaching, and I, th- I think still is. I haven't been in touch with him for a long time. But in Ankara, at one of the polytechnic universities there or something, teaching English. And he, I did not actually talk to him. I talked to his dad um, in 2013. Now I'm realizing. So when this was all going on, but what what he had said is a lot because a number of the students at the polytechnic are from Arab countries and yeah. had been participating in the protests there. And so they brought a lot of like the know-how to um, so one, and one of them in this, you know, it, because you mentioned the, um, the tear gas, I guess there's something where if you like um, squ- take two lemons or something and wrap them into a uh, wet, Washcloth and hold them over your eyes, then that will inoculate you from the uh, tear gas effects. And so, this is one of the things that had been figured out during the uh, so called Arab Spring riots and was, was brought in for the Gezi, Gezi Park stuff.
0: Yeah, well, there was a, actually, yeah, there was a lot of that sort of technology. I, well, I'll call it technology, but a lot of like milk of magnesia in your eyes and um, like milk, mm-hmm. actual milk. So, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, another thing is that it, it makes it. In- Intensely difficult to breathe, and that's actually worse than the pain in your eyes, the, the, the yeah. feeling the feeling that you can't breathe. that That's really terrifying. So, yeah, anyway, um, finally, after a couple of days of that, I think they kind of, if memory serves, it seems like it was like one or two days where they were kind of squaring off in um, Istiklal and the other streets around there. The, the people the students mainly students I think and I'm talking high school students and college students who were out of school for the summer forced the police out of out of gezi out of the out of the square there and it was' it's very bizarre I mean just a totally strange feeling when there's I don't know what you call it anarchy in 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 some area uh, the police were out and um, people were doing bizarre things like, you know, selling, they set up their own little businesses inside the square and, and everything, everything was blocked off. All the streets around the, uh, around the perimeter, um, every artery into the square and the park were blocked off by burned out buses and, you know, heaping up rocks and stuff like that, barricades. And they burned the police station down, burned. That was amazing to me that they burned the police station down real, real balls Mm -hmm. there. And then also all of the construction equipment, and I'm talking millions and millions of dollars of construction equipment, a whole line a right. line of bulldozers, and uh, all that was all that was destroyed. And then for like, uh, if memory serves, it was like maybe two weeks. It, it it was just a lawless. Obviously, people were policing themselves, so there was no, you mm. know, nobody was getting. It, it wasn't like Portland. It wasn't like Chop. These were right. But Raz didn't were,
1: didn't that guy? Yeah. I think in <laughs> Chop there there was like a de facto like strongman, right?
0: <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. They Anyways. actually got yeah. themselves a got themselves a, a, a local warlord. Um, no, that didn't happen. That didn't happen there. It, it stayed fairly calm. I mean, they had they got a guy who like had a brought in a, a famous a, a famous a pianist brought on, brought in a piano and and played played a piano in the middle of the square. Um, right. They were. You know sellers were were selling alcohol and watermelon and stuff yeah. like that and then
1: well one one of the problem I mean uh, not to get too much into Turkish politics and I'm not even that, Aware at it. I, I think, I mean, like, so I'll make a couple of comments. One is to the point of this park and mall, obviously it was like deliberate and corrupt and everything. But to me, Erdogan's greatest crimes are aesthetic more than anything. I mean, the idea <laughs> of like an Ottoman style mall and like all the palaces and everything that he does. But a- as in a lot of these cases, the the constituency, the anti Erdogan constituency, is obviously like very uh strong if you put it all together but they come from completely different like they would have no shelling point or whatever um because it's it's communists it's ghoulinists it's kind of bourgeois middle-class secular folks and, and you just like the the amount of uh venn diagram overlap is super limited and it, he he's able to then balance it with his. I mean, I would call it moderate Islamism, right? I mean, there's not a whole lot moderate about it, but I mean, he's not ISIS. But you know, he is somebody who quit his first job because they asked him to shave his mustache. I mean, he takes this stuff very seriously, and it really it really keeps him in power. But it it doesn't surprise me if you look at those groups. They're the sort of people that once they have. Kind of gotten it out of their system and burned all the stuff down. That they would settle down and kind of have like a pretty orderly society in the area that they're they've taken taken over. I mean, Hong Kong was the same way. When when those students took over PolyU, then they were pretty organized and you know trying to get medic medical care and stuff in. But you know, and then the police can sit and wait for things to burn out. I mean, it's like a siege. You run out of food and water and stuff eventually, but
0: yeah. Yeah, well, I could, I could always go on and on about the stuff that happened, but... I think that we have to
1: sort of uh, look forward to the next year and it could be super volatile. There's going to be some ep- continued economic repercussions from COVID. I do think that the vaccines and stuff should... Ease things off, and so people are going to be expecting to go back to work. But look, a lot of jobs are gone. If you worked for a small company that was shut down, a store, or restaurant, or something, uh, it it's not coming back. And so the uh, the the quality of employment and stuff could be quite a bit worse. Uh, it would. So we'll just have to see. But I I, I could definitely see a tense year. Going forward, now it's not an election year, so there's there's fewer reasons to uh, to finance unrest and things like that. But we could see uh, you know quite a, quite a bit quite a bit going on, and that's very American centric. It's hard to even say what's going to happen in in Europe or India and some of these other places. But I think that looking forward into the next year, have to see you know a lot a lot of economic risk.
0: Let's talk about goals. We have any goals for 2021? I want to sure. move to something positive, talk about goals. Yeah. Uh shall I begin? I Sure. I have a couple of goals, which is well, one is I want to I want to 10x my personal wealth. That's my goal for 2021. And I have nothing to do. I could, there's very little I can personally do. <laughs> but I want a 10x. No, but a real some some real real goals for me. I want to do. I'm there's there's something that I'm doing with the stack, which is I'm going to start a reading group, where I am reading. I'm, I'm going to start plundering the public domain stuff and reading um, things that are more beautifully experienced or or more uh, better experienced orally, orally, because there's so much. Well, let me say it this way i have i have this feeling that well it's not a feeling i will i will stake my reputation on this 20th century literature uh is is decayed decayed literature from especially from the perspective of someone who appreciates english as a spoken and listened to language um hmm. and i think that i think a lot of that has to do with well there are many reasons one of which is its success globally and sort of the academic or institutional you know, institutionalization of, of language. So anyway, something that's important to me to do is is uh, start reading some of that stuff, putting it to, to tape so people who can who want to listen can can wash their dishes and listen to me and my angelic voice doing, I don't know, Emilio Castellar or maybe some sermons from some, some Baroque Baroque sermons. Another one is fitness. I I, I need to get, I need to bring sexy back. So I'm probably Mm going to start, I'm probably going to start doing something with, with a Twitter account, like saying, Hey guys, today we're fasting, you know? Yeah. If you want to join us, join us. Or at least when I say we, I mean me, I'm not going to force you to not eat food, but uh, yeah, I I, I might start doing that. That's something I want to do. Get fit again. And um, yeah. Otherwise keep my kids alive. That's sort of the most important thing in the world, right? No, th- everything yeah. that one, everything one does is to make sure that your son is richer and with a richer wife than you yourself have, right? <sighs> yeah,
1: totally. So I, I'm, I largely on board in, in spirit, if not specifics. I, I do want, I, I want to do a marathon next year and I've not done one before and was hoping to do one this year and obviously just training and everything was not going to work with uh, COVID during the period when it was happening. So uh, that, that, that's a big goal. And then there's a few, yeah. So I, and I want to uh, publish a few things for work. So trying to do more to get my, my name out there. I, I think what I've learned in my career is you have to do as much as you can to have your personal name attached to as much as possible. So you're, you know, known known to the wider world and everything, and so makes you much, much less disposable. And so uh, that's, that's a big professional goal. And then uh, in finance, I just Continuing to look at uh, what, are, what are ways to diversify income into, I mean, I'm whatever years old, but retirement will happen eventually. And so wanting to be as well prepared for that with diverse things, whether it's in cryptocurrency, uh, real estate, kind of more conventional investments and things, you know, and, and re- really trying to figure that out is 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 top of mind uh so that's that's going to be a big focus for for next year is trying to position position better for that and then yeah i think those
0: that that really hits it last thing i think this is manly prognostications manly prognostications So the last thing we do today is manly prognostications. And I I thought about this because this is your wording, but I thought, what is a manly prognostication? And I've decided that it is this. Um, A man says what's going to happen and he doesn't hedge, okay? So if you make a prognostication, you just got to own it, right? Obviously, you could do this like a Bayesian and tell us what your you know, talk about your priors and stuff like that, but we're not going to do that. You're just going to have to.
1: No, that's not manly. That's not not manly. manly.
0: Bayesianism, rationalism, not manly. What is manly, people? Manly is just making a decision and then living or dying. That's manly. So, uh, manly prognostications. I actually asked. I asked around Urbit, our friends. You know, our friends from Urbit because a lot of them are prominent in well, lots of different things. So anyway, I've got a couple. I've got I've got some questions to ask, and then if you have some other ones, you can you can throw them out there. But um, first, price predictions. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Chainlink, Star. What are the prices okay. or the highs? Let's say the high price in 2021. Uh,
1: I think that the, the, over the over the course of 2021, it will reach thirty-five thousand. What? And Bitcoin. Bitcoin, oh, Bitcoin will reach thirty-five thousand at some okay. point over 2021. All right. It will decline to below 10,000
0: from okay. that point. All right. That's manly. Um, I will say we did have someone who said, uh, and I will only name him as a person ostensibly close to Satoshi Nakamoto, but uh, we had a friend who said 100,000. Um, okay. take that, Take that as you will, people, but that's what we got. Okay, Ethereum. Ethereum's around 600 now, I think. I haven't looked in a few days.
1: Yeah, yeah. I own less of it so I, I, I feel less. I I'm going to I'm going to push on that. I, I can't I, I don't want to make some some
0: garbage number. 800. 800, okay. Uh chain link.
1: I would guess 35. I okay, own I own the, I, I, full disclosure I own some.
0: Well, you own some of all of these, I think, right? Um Are you sure I think okay. I have like 20, 20 US dollars in Ethereum. <laughs> that's probably that's probably me as well. Uh, and Urbit Store right now trading 10, around 4000 10000 for next year okay. yeah yeah 10000 yeah. 10000 okay. 10, so yeah i'm going to go uh, bitcoin i'm going to i'm going to say highest price um, 50000 because i think that's kind of a psychological level that is going to be difficult to break low i i think it's probably going to drop down below 25 so i'll say uh, i'll say low 17000 okay Ethereum, I don't really care about this one, but I'll say a uh, thousand for Ethereum. I think it, I think it'll break a thousand again, like it did a few years. Uh, what two thousand seventeen? Chainlink fifty five by the end of the year, and Urbit, I think ten thousand is good. So I'll, I'm going to go with you on that one. I'll say ten thousand for an Urbit star. Okay.
1: Yeah, I think the the, re, the reason I say that is is I think I think in a year, you know, you'll you'll know whether the project is ha, has any legs but it, it will still be nascent enough that you, you won't have had a major explosion in
0: the price of real estate. So that, 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 that's just where I come from there. I think, I think that the, the, um, the possibility comes from a lot of Bitcoin community coming in and realizing that it, yeah. it kind of, uh, it's very additive for the project to have the Bitcoin as well. So I think that those two may feed each other somewhat. But yeah. probably Bitcoin yeah. feeds Urbit feeds more at this early stage but as people sort of understand what it can do for bitcoin and vice versa it, it will help yeah. the the herbit price uh when are we going to see how can i say that? let's say let's go with with uh the us more than more than 50% of people have gotten the vaccine a vaccine
1: i don't can can that can Is that that a good happen way to next say- year yeah yeah when when you have a 50% vaccination threshold uh, and I, what I, I don't know even like what what is the actual necessary threshold for for herd immunity. And we've the problem seen is Fauci, moving, right?
0: Fauci came. Yeah, out. right. Yeah, 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 you know yeah.
1: that's the problem. This goofball, you know, he he comes out there saying you know fifty to sixty percent is enough, and then when he realizes that you you have more eighty, uh, I I would say by September, I, I this is like. The worst thing for a forecaster to do, but it it's not um, educated. So I, but I will say by September, you'll have something, you, you'll have 50% inoculated.
0: I, I'm just going to let you, I'm going to let you stew with that one. I'm not even going to, cause, cause I just want to kind of go with what you're going with, which is that by next, this doesn't sound very manly, does it? Um, let me manly prognosticate real quick. Uh, I'll just throw down I'll throw down October just to be annoying. Any new technology, or if you, if you prefer, if let's let's do this. Let's do this instead. Uh, what is going to be the next sort of breakout thing in like the blockchain uh, technology space? What is going to send people uh, fomoing in large amount of money?
1: I I I think that that decentralized finance stuff will 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 have have legs again. I think that you know, wh- whether it's from bad actors and scams or from legit uh, investment opportunities, th- th- what, what I expect will happen uh, is that decentralized finance will actually become a, a, a stream for worthwhile projects to raise capital. And so that will, despite bad actors and everybody taking advantage of it i think that 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 could see a, a resurgence and it will be a, a bit more legitimate than it has been in the past so i would look forward to to that and i i think that you you will see like i i said in the the podcast with christian You're gonna see more institutional investor interest, by which I mean foundations, endowments, and some of those real portfolios investing in Bitcoin first, and that certainly contributes to to um, a a bump there. But that there will be just the beginnings of looking at other tokens as legitimate legitimate investments.
0: Thank you for listening. Please visit us at www.thestack.link or find us on Twitter at thestack.link, all one word. And please remember to like and subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. I'm Josh, and with Andy, we are The Stack.